Frustrated with toxic people, they can't see how much they hurt me. I just want this chaos to cease. Here's your host, Dr. Shayla, my source for how to live a life of peace. Find peace in the midst of toxic negativity. Welcome to the Toxic People Detox, a practical guide for finding peace in the midst of toxic people. It's not about changing them. It's about changing how you respond to them and doing so in a productive, healthy way. This is episode 17, Healing the Hurt After the Damage Has Been Done. Now, I've been talking a lot about dealing with toxic people in different situations, whether it's a toxic boss, toxic coworkers, toxic family, and I've even talked about some profiles, which I'm still in the process of going through each type of toxic person profile. However, what if you're in a situation where you just said, enough, I don't care so much about dealing with toxic people or difficult people or whatever. I just want to move on. I just want to heal because the damage has pretty much been done. How do I move on is what really the question is today. The conventional wisdom is to say, well, take your mind off of it and try do something like uh, something you like, like crafting, drawing or whatever hobby that you're interested in. And yeah, I can definitely see the wisdom in that, but I don't recommend ignoring the issue. Just say, well, don't think about it. No, that's terrible advice because all you're doing is suppressing the problem is suppressing the negative emotions. And they're just going to come out later on. When I was in the process of grieving, I was told not to think about it and just focus on my dissertation or my graduate program. You know, don't think about it too much, Shayla. Just focus on your dissertation. Focus on getting your degree. People do the best they can with what they know. But that was terrible advice. Now, part of the healing process is dealing with the emotional fallout. If you've been in a toxic situation or you've been dealing with some excessively difficult people, you come out of it with feelings of failure, anger at the injustice or the unfairness, especially if you think they're getting away with it or just that hopeless feeling. And then there's the grief that might come along with it. Whether you're grieving the loss of a loved one, the loss of a job, the loss of a relationship, or even the death of a dream that you had these plans, you had it all mapped out, but yet this relationship with this toxic person or difficult person just sent everything sideways. Now, toward the end of the episode, I'm going to talk about a woman who was taking a therapeutic writing workshop from me. And she was a, a mother who worked at a grocery store that went bankrupt and she lost all of her retirement. Not only that, she was dealing with her son's death. For two years, she couldn't even bring herself to go in his room. So I'll talk about her later. But first, when you talk about dealing with emotional fallout, one of the emotions you end up dealing with most likely is anger. So the first thing I want to talk about is letting go of anger. Letting go of anger is probably one of the most difficult thing to do. Our society tells us, you know, don't be angry, just push it down or just let it go. Just let it go. How do you do that exactly? What does that even mean? Let it go. How can I let something go? I can't even grasp anger. And sometimes it's a necessary thing. After all, we're humans. There's a pastor and he says when he counsels a couple and they come in and they're hating each other, they're cursing each other out. He said, I can work with that. That doesn't mean the marriage can be saved, but he says, I can work with that because all I have to do is get them to channel that anger. But he said, if they come in and they're like, well, I don't care what she does. I don't care what he does. I, I just don't, you know, give a flip. He says, I can't do anything with that. And the marriage most likely cannot be saved. Why? Because there's nothing to work with. There's no emotion. There's a saying that the opposite of love is not hatred. It's indifference. 
So the fact that you feel anger, believe it or not, it's a good thing. It means that there's something there and we can work with that. But if you say, I don't care and I'm in, or I'm indifferent, that can be a problem. I talked about detachment. That's not detachment. That's most likely apathy. And that's a very dangerous thing because it's, it's often linked with depression, but that's a story for another day. So getting back on topic, letting go of anger. If you feel angry, let it burn through you. Feel the anger. That's, that's something you probably won't hear. Sometimes in a wake of a toxic relationship, anger can be a healing thing and it can allow us to work our way through the hurt we feel in the same way that fire can cauterize a wound. However, if you feel that your anger is affecting your life negatively, then it's important to find a way to release it. The thing I like to do is to come up with some kind of ceremony, as corny as that sounds, but it does enable you to express and release your anger at the same time. Number one, write down your angry feelings on a piece of paper. Now this could be cathartic if you allow it to. If you write down your anger and just say, I feel this way. Now we'll say, but what if I don't like what I'm feeling? That's fine. You don't have to like it. It's not a question of whether you like the anger or not. You probably don't. I didn't like a lot of the things I felt. And even today, sometimes things come up and I say, oh, I'm feeling, why am I feeling this way? But just acknowledge it. This is important. Don't judge the anger. Just feel it. Just say, okay, I'm angry. I hate this, you know, this SOB and whatever, whatever comes to mind and don't censor yourself. Just write down what you're thinking. When I taught my therapeutic writing workshop, one of the most important thing I want to get across to my participants is don't judge yourself. Don't censor yourself because that's counterproductive. So, you know, if you want to drop F-bombs in your letter, see, the thing is nobody has to read it. So curse, do whatever you want. If, you, if you're not the cursing type, fine. Dude. However you express yourself, write it down. Give yourself permission to release it and then move forward. Well, after I write my stuff down on paper, then what? Well, you can do a couple of things. You can ball it up and throw it in the garbage. Or if you're afraid somebody might fish through it and get it, then shred it up, put it in a paper shredder, get a pair of scissors or have a little bonfire and burn it up. Get rid of it. Write it down, get rid of it. The second thing you can do is write a letter to the person who hurt you. Now, don't send it to that person. If uh, I'm writing a letter to the toxic people that I dealt with, I'm going to write, hey, you little jerk, you son of a son of a snitch thing, you. I don't appreciate what you did to me and blah, 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 blah. And then don't send it. Okay, you're not writing this to send it. Again, once you're done with it, throw it in a fire, put it in a paper shredder, take some scissor to it, <laughs> waterlog it, whatever you do. Don't let anybody else read it. And so you say, wait, why would I want to write a letter to this person and not send it? Here's why. Because sometimes when you sever ties or you're trying to move on, there's some things that are left unsaid. Writing things down lets you say those things. There's discomfort in leaving things unsaid. And we want the opportunity to say what we feel, but we recognize that sometimes it's not always healthy to seek out that person again, simply to say the things we need to say, because you could be just drawn into that situation again. So writing the letter is a good way to resolve the situation in your head. Even though you don't have that person's feedback, that's okay. Say what you want to say in that letter, get it out of your system, put that letter in a bonfire, put it in a shredder, bury it, flush it down the toilet, but don't clog up the toilet. And as you do it, tell yourself that you're mailing the letter to the person in question. <laughs> and number three, find a physical release for your anger. Now this could come in the form of exercise, a punching bag, or those little stress balls I see in bookstores. And that's one way to vent. Now, if none of these things I said appeal to you, then make up 
something of your own, whatever it is, it's not because I made the suggestion, it's because it has to make sense to you. Writing makes sense. Writing is a very powerful thing, but if you're not ready to do it, then please don't attempt it. Just whatever you do, make sure it's healthy. So I talked about letting go of anger. Another thing is just severing ties. One of the things to move on is to cut the ties if that option is available to you. So in certain situations, you're not completely moving that person out of your life because that might not always be possible, but at the very least, you can minimize your contact. And sometimes you might need some professional intervention on this part to determine whether you should sever those ties or not. So here's some things that you can keep in mind. This doesn't mean that if this exists that you have to sever ties, but it's something that can get you thinking. And that is you're in a relationship that it's like you're constantly walking on eggshells. So you have to suppress your emotions and your instincts. You have to watch what you say and it gets harder and harder to keep them under wraps. It's like you're the glue that's keeping it all together. So you're kind of like an emotional pressure cooker. And the idea of blowing off steam with that toxic person might feel dangerous. That means that you end up taking it out on other people. And it may be a sign that it's time to sever ties or minimize contact with that person. Another thing is that the relationship with the toxic person is affecting your physical health. So let's say if you're around that person and your blood pressure is elevated and even following a healthy diet isn't helping, then you need to consider the possibility that severing ties might be the way to preserve your health. That's actually what ended up happening to me. I had to leave my previous job and even move to another state because that's how serious I was about getting my health back on track. So if your relationship is doing you harm, then act in your best interest and find a way to get out of it. Again, seek legal professional advice. Another thing, if it's affecting your mental health, now this is where I'm kind of tap dancing on that extreme where you might be in a person who's emotionally abusive or physically abusive. And I've said in previous episodes, that's outside of my area of expertise. And when I talk about those issues, I will bring an expert to talk about that. But when you're constantly dealing with someone, it can affect your body's production of serotonin or your other feel good chemicals. In addition to elevating your cortisol, which is your stress hormone that activates that uh, fight or flight response. Severing ties is not something to be taken lightly. And as I've said, I can't stress this enough, it may require professional intervention. The probability is high that a toxic person will not want to accept that you are severing any ties. And likewise, it's probable they will not respect your boundaries. As unfair as it seems, it's up to you to maintain your boundaries, not other people. I've said in a previous episode, people will treat you to the extent you allow them. Now, what if that person that you want to sever ties with is a boss or a coworker, then take whatever preparations you can prior to announcing that you plan to leave your job if that's what you're planning on doing. I mean, obviously, if you're leaving a job to get away from someone, then it's best to have another job lined up before you leave if having a job is what you desire. Some people leave their jobs and say, I don't want another boss. There's no way I'm working for another boss. I want to be an entrepreneur. And this is one of those times I say, bite your tongue and bide your time. I know some people who just flat out quit and they don't have a plan in place and sometimes it works out for them, but that comes from resourcefulness. If you plan on quitting and you're not a resourceful person and be honest now, then you quit your job and you may find yourself in a particularly bad financial situation. So what if you're severing ties with someone who lives in your home? If you're the one who decides to leave, of course, make sure you have a place to stay and you're ready to go before you have that big conversation. Ultimately, whatever decision you make, you have to be firm because there's nothing to be gained by wavering. 
This brings me to the last part of this podcast, and that is the writing aspect. I mentioned before that there is a woman who took a therapeutic writing workshop from me, and she worked at a grocery store, went bankrupt, she lost all of her her retirement, and she was dealing with her son's death. And for two years, she couldn't even bring herself to go into his room. Now, I want to preface this by saying, in addition to taking that therapeutic writing workshop, she was also going to therapy. So I told her, I'll give you a series of writing prompts. You can do them all. You can do one, you know, however you feel. Number one, write a letter to a time in your life before you lost your son. Think about the person you were before you lost your son. Write a letter to that person. And then I said, write a letter to your son. Another one, write a letter of forgiveness to yourself. So if you're blaming yourself, write a letter saying why you blame yourself. You know, that this is the, this is along the same line as writing that letter to the person I said who hurt you. Well, write a letter to yourself. If the person you think who hurt you is you, don't censor yourself. Oh, you no good mother. You're a, you're a terrible mother, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I said, if that's what you think, write it down. Now, whether it's, I don't think it's true. She's not a terrible mother as far as I could tell, but If that's what you think, then write it down because that way you can deal with it. If you keep it in your head, it's kind of hard to move forward unless you acknowledge that. And once you see it on paper, you may begin to realize that maybe that's not true after all. So she did that. She started writing letters and there are some prompts that she made up herself. And within about, I would say this was like a five month workshop, actually within maybe about months, four or five, she came to me and she said, you know, I went into my son's room for the first time and I sat down in it. She didn't say she cleaned it up. She just said she sat down and she just looked around his room and that's it. That's progress. I mean, that, that is tremendous progress for her. She's well on her way to healing. Now, now in that relationship, she was in a terrible work situation and grieving. Whatever your situation is, I have a series of writing prompts and that's going to be my next episode. Just talk, just give you a list of writing prompts that can apply to maybe a specific situation or it can apply in general. And it's something that can help you cope. So in summary, what I want to get across is focus on dealing with the emotions that you're feeling. Now, sometimes people just aren't ready to face those emotions and that's fine. Remember, this is your life. Other people can do things for you, but they can't breathe for you. And I know it may be scary to deal with those emotions. And the question is, well, how do I know when I'm ready? That's where having a therapist comes in. At my school, about maybe a year or two ago, some of the students had a rally. And um, (laughs) for those of you who lived in the 1980s, you remember that Just Say No campaign? Well, the students did a rally. It was something similar, but it wasn't about drugs. It was about going to see someone to help with whatever problems you're dealing with. Because we've had a few students commit suicide since I've been there. And so some of the students are rallying saying, you know, if you have issues, if you're dealing with life or if you're dealing with some painful situations in your life, don't let the stigma of asking for help stop you for asking for help. That's probably one of the bravest thing you can do is to go out and seek help. It's like, oh, I'm not crazy. No, it's not craziness. I've been looking for a therapist myself and I'm very picky, very picky. And I'm doing this not because I think I'm a mess or I think, oh, my life is falling apart. No, it's because I need some guidance. Friends and family, as much as they love you, they may not necessarily give the best advice. Emphasis on not necessarily. You know, sometimes they do because they know you quite well. Depending on relationships, they probably know you a lot better than you think they do. And so they can tell you some things about yourself. So in closing, 
What I want to get across is that whatever emotion you're dealing with, the most important thing to heal is to allow yourself to feel that emotion without judging yourself. If you can do that, then you're on the fast track to finding that peace, to finding that healing. You might've made some terrible decisions. I know I did. I made some awful decisions. I've said before, I had to file bankruptcy. That's how bad it got. My financial situation just deteriorated trying to fix a problem that I wasn't prepared to solve. It's okay to admit that you're not ready to make a big decision yet. You could probably make it later on, just not right now. You might need to hold off on it. And the reason why I'm looking for a therapist, because I'm about to make some big decisions. And unlike what I did last time, rather than just going off, you know, just, okay, I think I can do this. No, I'm not sure I can. And I need an objective third party to guide me through this. And I don't see the stigma in doing that. Sometimes those who are self-aware are the ones who probably need therapy the most. As I've said about the mother, yes, she was able to go into her son's room. She followed my writing prompts and it helped her, but she was also going through therapy. So in the combination helped her to finally go in her son's room and just sit down. You know, if you're not ready to do these exercises, please, by all means, don't do it. Move at your own pace. And if you're not sure if you're moving at a fast enough pace or a slow enough pace, and if you're not sure what that pace is, then don't be afraid to ask for help. But the important thing is to be honest with yourself, to be honest with your emotions, you know, be truthful with yourself. So folks, out of everything I said, the most powerful thing you can do to not censor your thoughts or not judge your thoughts, just to let them be what they are, to acknowledge that those negative emotions exist. And by doing that, you can free yourself from those negative emotions. Otherwise, if we just pretend they don't exist, they fester and we can't move on. So for the next episode, I'm just gonna give you a list of prompts that can help you through this process. So until then, I wish you peace in the midst of toxic people. Take care. Go to the toxicpeopledetox.com Find peace in the midst of toxic negativity.